welcome back to the luxury of self-care. Whether you're on the go or lounging with a glass of wine, this is the perfect podcast to dive into. From relatable topics to all people and things who inspire and empower me on a daily basis. I'm Anastasia, your host, and today's episode is entitled Rediscovering Natural Movement. So as you all know, since I brought it up so many times, I am currently going through another teacher training program with Yoga Renew. If you're interested in taking a class, don't hesitate to reach out to me. I can go on and on about how much I love the class. So I will definitely direct you to where to go, their website, all the information about them, any questions you may have. But I have been focused on the anatomy section so much and I have been rediscovering ways that my body moves or reasons why it moves certain ways or reasons that other people that didn't grow up being dancers are restricted and things that I don't necessarily think of and it's almost that aha moment that I'm getting as I'm watching and learning and retaking some of these quizzes and whatnot but It got me excited about this interview I did with today's guest, Patrick Hogan, who is an absolute star and he's going to help you kind of rediscover natural movement and alignment and all these fabulous things that he actually instructs, he teaches, and he is a restorative exercise specialist and MoveNat coach. If you don't know what that is, we will touch base on that. Patrick helps guide his clients in the alignment of both their bodies and their lifestyle. In doing this, it allows for free and natural human movement. In addition, Patrick holds a 500 RYT certification for teaching yoga, and you can find him teaching classes and workshops both online and live in New York City. Patrick, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both of us just moved, so we're both in that transition mode of getting our space and our groove back. Figuring out what our new worlds are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. yes. Not just outside, but inside now, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a crazy thing where you hear about there's a lot of people leaving New York City right now. And uh, I was just talking to a couple students this morning about that and how it's just like, it, it seems insane. There's something sort of, uh, oh, I don't know, bittersweet about it, but um, I think it's just a cycle. I think some people, a lot of what brought me into the city was, you know, culture and theater and art and acting and all that kind of stuff. And even right now, there's, that's, some, that's just not existing there right now. And so maybe this is a good time. I mean, I haven't been doing that for a little while, but maybe this is a, just a good time to focus on other things. <laughs> so much so for everyone. And I've been touching base on this quite a bit, so much so for the traditional lifestyle path of the nine to five corporate job worker. They're learning how to prioritize their family more and that they can work from home and spending more time doing barbecues and different, having a completely different summer than they're used to. So a lot of us are all adapting in a new way, but you're right. New York is somewhere that everybody goes to to accomplish something. There is so many resources to gain, grab hold of, introduce yourself to in a place like New York. And everyone confining and staying into their residence and even some companies closing their doors and pulling out of Manhattan has really taken a shift and a toll in the Manhattan skyline, I guess you could say. Yeah, it totally has. And for us, it was was interesting because um, over the years, we started to... find out that like we would be doing our work in Manhattan in New York and then looking for every opportunity we could to get out of the city and into nature again and like go hiking and all this kind of stuff but you know and finally it just got to the point where we thought well why don't we reverse this pattern why don't we spend more time closer to nature and hiking and wherever we want to do outside for all the things we want to do outside and just go into the city when we have to. <laughs> right, absolutely. I never wanted to be a commuter, but I guess I, I'm starting to lean that way now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so where are you resided now? Well, we just moved into um, Newburgh, which is just a city about north, uh, an hour north of Manhattan, uh, right across the river from Beacon. And 
Oh, great. It's really close to a lot of great hiking areas uh, near Cold Spring and, you know, the, the whole Beacon area is, it's, it's um, filled with, like, hiking trails. And, Love that. And so we're really excited to be up here. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. Now, I was just saying this on a recent episode that I feel like I'm more in a city now, and even my dog, Miko, thinks that we're probably more in a city now than we were. So Patrick and I lived in the same building for about a year and a half, I think we were both. You were you had moved in a little after Doug and I. And Yeah, that's right. It's just definitely been one of those situations where when you have a dog, you just end up ma- meeting a bunch of neighbors, <laughs> especially in, in Wood Manhattan, which is where we were, and we would walk on these trails. It wasn't necessarily a hike, but it's a <laughs> it's a nice untouched trail right across from our building and I would run into Patrick at least once a day at some point or my or Douglas would so I, I miss that, that just being that close to woods even though now I'm in Lancaster Pennsylvania which I have trails and hikes and way more levels out here to to play with as far as nature but I, I have to drive to them <laughs> yeah it's a different whole different lifestyle is coming into the driving culture you know, being yes. in, relying on a car to get everywhere. Yeah. Right, instead the... of public transportation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how long were you in New York? Because you weren't in Inwood that whole time. How long no, were you in Manhattan? Exactly. Yeah, I moved to New York in um, 2004, right after finishing an apprenticeship with the uh, Actors Theater of Louisville. Oh, great. Yeah, we did an apprenticeship there for a year. I mean, I'm originally from the Seattle area, and I just, you know, my kind of trajectory is I just kind of gradually moved east until I made it to New York (laughs) and after so after the apprenticeship it just made you know that was my focus was uh, acting and theater and I um, just had more contacts and friends and people in New York and originally I thought I might go to the west coast for that kind of stuff but uh, New York seemed to make more sense at the time and then I just stayed for the past 16 years yeah you seem like a full seasoned kind of guy though I could see you in I could see you in Cali but I feel like you like the seasons like oh, yeah. I don't know about winter for you but I feel like you would really enjoy the difference between fall and summer and spring I do I do appreciate it I mean because I grew up in the in the northwest and we have that there and and that was all part of the excitement of every season was looking forward to the different activities you can do whether it was hiking or in the summer or skiing in the winter yeah finding all the all the different fun things you can do outside oh absolutely which which brings us into uh, both of us are within the yoga practice and you found yourself how did that how did that all come about when you first became a yogi if we want to use those terms it was actually at the actors theater at louisville that we were introduced or i was introduced to um some classes in yoga it was part of our program there and mm-hmm. I kind of took to it. And once I moved to New York, I just, you know, it was just kind of an on and off again sort of practice for me where I was, I would find a yoga studio and I would take a couple classes per week. And, and I started to, you know, really enjoy it. I started to find that I was, you know, uh, I was, you know, I'm a physical guy and I've really been focused on, you know, a lot of physical activities through my life. And, and I felt like I really took to it pretty well. Um, it was the start of a radical shift for me because before my yoga years, I was, I guess you could say I was really tension bound. You know, um, I was into much more of the mentality of extreme sports where I would be competing in triathlons and I'd be trying to run as fast as I can or climb mountains or ski as hard as I can and all that kind of stuff. And um, I ended up getting really injured. I, you know, I, I tore up my ACLs on both knees. I tore my meniscus, wow. uh, had a bunch of injuries. And um, by that time I got around to moving to New York, it was finally setting in that I needed to find a different way of moving. And um, yoga yeah. really spoke to me about that. You know, it really learned, helped me learn how to release tension from my body, help me learn how to become more present in my body, and mm-hmm. um, help me to enjoy 
more or less, you know, moving without any competitive edge to it. Yes, 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 yes. I completely 100% agree. And Doug found it, my boyfriend found it from an injury too as well. He had a herniated oh, disc. Yeah. And within his recovery after surgery, he found a joy and a love for yoga. And he started it with something that's a little bit more Western culture-like and it's with core power. So a little bit, um, we, we've definitely Westernized it, however you want to say that, with our, with our culture and turned it into more of a, a workout for, yeah, you know, absolutely. burning the calories and, and, and all, that, all those things that the Buddhist monks would probably frown upon. But... <laughs> For me, for for me, it wasn't an injury. For me, it was everything you're saying, but mentally. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm I have to stop my brain. For me, it helped me turn things off and be present in the moment mentally, not necessarily physically, because dance brought me that physical movement and present in my body. But but yoga really taught me to breathe and slow down and focus and take a moment before answering others in in my daily life so and just a way for me to organically continue to move my body and stretch deeper into poses and all that yeah, I think as that well. you know it, a lot of people need some sort of wake-up call you know to to start to try to reintegrate our mind and our bodies together and for some people it's injuries for some people it's like a mental breakdown or whatever yeah kind of trauma that needs to happen before people feel like they've hit a brick wall. And then, you know, it's like the AA sayings, like you have to go to rock bottom first before you start to come up. And I think yoga becomes a, a new path for a lot of people that way. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's just so ingrained in our culture that we have to be competitive or we have to ignore our natural impulses. And and we have to be conquering and, and um, fighting our bodies, you know. And yoga, I think, for me, was like the start of the path of relearning that that's, you know, for lack of a better word, is, uh, you know, those are just false beliefs. Yes. No, but you're right, though. And, and I, again, too, it's within our culture, at least the American culture specifically, it's work, 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 compete, 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 and all these things all the time, um, any type and form of physical activity always comes with this win or loss. Are you a winner or did you lose? And yeah, you don't have to do that in yoga. It was another thing, like stay focused on me and my mat, not anyone else around me. It's just about yeah. me and focusing Absolutely. on myself for an hour or an hour and a right. half. No, it, long it's classes. usually, it's like every class can be a, uh, you know, it's a momentary retreat into yourself. If you I love to that. Let it be that way. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to snag that. I'm going to. Awesome. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I will quote you, but I'm going to snag that. I wanted to ask then, how? What was your path as far as once you really enjoyed the practice, becoming a yoga teacher? What was that click and that shift and what programs? Yeah, did you go I mean, I was just dabbling in it for a while. I was still pursuing acting, and then. Um, at one point, it was actually through my wife at the time was going through a teacher training practice. She, she was previously a uh, Pilates teacher as well. And she started uh, doing a teacher training and uh, she brought me along on a yoga retreat to Costa Rica. This was through the um, Sonic Yoga or the Sonic Yoga uh, studio in New York City. At that retreat, you know, it's, I, I just really fell in love with it a lot more because it was, you know, yeah. I fell in love with the choreography of it, the, the dance, the flow of, of the movements that we did. It was in that style of yoga, the way they teach it is based on a lot on uh, Shiva Ray's influence. Oh, and great. So it's a lot of creative flow you know really getting into the liquid sort of flow of it. You know, it's not very rigid. rigid. And anyway, so right. I, had a, I had a really great experience with that. And then, and at the time, I was trying to do all these other odd jobs, you know, as lots of actors do, you know, as waiting we all tables, do. doing temp work. I did a yeah. lot of cater waitering. And I was, frankly, quite miserable doing it. And mm -hmm. it then occurred to me, you know, I was like, wow, I could probably pursue this yoga thing as, a, as another side career. And 
then right. I, as I went through it, I just more and more started focusing on it and it seemed to fulfill me more. And I kept, I just kept going down that path. Yeah, I love that. How long have you been teaching then? How, well, how long ago was this? So I got this? my 200 hour certification in 2009. So I guess that's been oh, about 11 so years. Oh, so fairly. But yeah. life has taken me on lots of different, you know, kind of a journey. How should I say it? So it's taken me on this kind of interesting arc away from yoga in a way uh, since then. Mm-hmm. So now I don't really teach so much focused on yoga, but I um, do a lot more of what people would call like natural human movement and restorative exercise. Restorative work in itself is great as well. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, like there's nothing more grounding to me than restorative yoga. And what's so interesting is a lot of people say, oh, like I could never just sit on my mat and breathe and breathe and just be still. (laughs) And it's so true. Like it is very, very difficult for some people to sit with their thoughts in these positions and just relax into the now instead of fight, 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 fight. Yeah. Being that present. Is a, definitely a thing to work with. And that's something we work with. I work with a lot in restorative exercise type classes is delineating between exercise and release. And this is more of just a physiological thing where a lot of times when we are actively pushing or stretching, we're, you know, we're fighting against other tensions that are in our body and it's so useful to learn how Mm -hmm. to just let that other tension go first before you start layering on other stuff right right no absolutely and then that brings you more into the natural movement and discovering all about movnat and everything which i'm really excited to dive into yeah absolutely i trained with the uh, nutritious movement institute for restorative exercise and they call me a restorative exercise specialist now. There is a delineation, and this is why it's sometimes kind of confusing to use the word restorative in different communities. And because in in a yoga community, restorative ex- restorative classes tend to denote like you're really just resting and you're on bolsters and you're breathing and you're get, getting into the relaxation mode of things, which is somewhat part of restorative exercise from the Mm -hmm. Nutritious Movement Institute, but we're talking about restoring more of the skeletal alignment of our body, which may not be just relaxation. It might be a lot of work. (laughs) Okay, right. I've always had a hard time using these words just in the general population because the meaning tends to get a little crossed over and confused. Yeah, um, depending on the clientele or the group of people exactly. that you're referring yeah. to. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. They are completely different. So I found that in classes, sometimes I'll be doing like a restorative exercise class, but people who are familiar with yoga expect a very particular thing. And then they're like, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> How do you handle that normally? For me, it's a lot about education. Yeah. It's really trying to contextualize what we are doing, why we are doing it, how is it helping restore your body's neutral alignment Mm -hmm. so that, and this brings us back to um, your question earlier, so that we can then participate in natural human movements more readily. I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you have other episodes that you really like or you are subscribed to this channel and you listen to it every week, I would love for you to hop on over to Apple Podcast. If you rate the show, if you give it a review, it truly helps me out. Go ahead and put down your favorite episode or specific details of what you like and why. I love reading those reviews. If you have any questions or any topic ideas, don't forget to slide into my DMs. I will always check those for you. Find me on Instagram or on our Facebook page and leave me a message. I love hearing from you guys. All right, let's get back to the interview. So I went through this path where I uh, was doing yoga for a while, but like I said earlier at the beginning, you know, I kind of grew up doing a lot of outdoors, natural activities, hiking and swimming and running and all these sort of things and I felt like one thing I was missing in the yoga practice was like this connection to 
the primal nature. Sometimes yoga can feel fairly static, like you're stuck in one place. Mm-hmm. How does it apply to the outer world, you know, right. when you're outside and you're moving? That's a lot of the philosophy in yoga. People talk, talk about you go inside to your studio and you practice so that you can then bring that stuff into the outer world. Mm-hmm. But what I found so fascinating when I discovered MoveNat, which I discovered doing a um, barefoot running event in Governor's Island. Yes, I love it over there. Yeah, it's beautiful. And a guy named John Durant, who wrote a book called The Paleo Manifesto, he organized Mm -hmm. a um, barefoot running event. Not a race per se, but it was more an event because it was about community and getting people together that were really into the natural movement of running barefoot because I had been getting into that for some time talking a little circularly and backing up just one step from that is even though I was doing yoga and all this stuff I was also spending a lot of time in my um, day jobs like catering standing a lot on really bad shoes I mean I thought Mm -hmm. they were good shoes at the time my feet were killing me my back was killing me back killing you and I was generally miserable doing it then and I discovered uh, Christopher McDougall's book, Born to Run. That book has been out for at least 10 years now. It describes like the mechanics of actually running barefoot and how that's a much more natural activity than running shod or with uh, you know thick padded shoes on. And it yeah. describes the um, running events that he observed with Tarahumara, um, Native American tribe in Mexico who would, are famous for running like great distances with either barefoot or just minimally shod like little leather straps on their feet. Wow. Warachi sandals, if I'm pronouncing that. Warachi uh, sandals. I was so intrigued by that because it just felt right to me. And mm-hmm. um, I ended up finding my first pair of Vibram shoes, those five-fingered, you know, really minimal That's what I was just shoes. about to ask you about. What do you feel about those? Because I feel, isn't that, that has to be connected somehow, right? Absolutely. I think that okay. was my return to natural movement was finding those shoes. Again. Yeah, they're great. I remember my stepsister had just had a, boy, a baby boy. And when my stepbrother came home and was wearing those shoes, you could just see it on the baby's face because they, they just have no filter. And the baby was like looking at the things like, what the heck are those? <laughs> and we're like, those are weird, huh? Yeah. You know, just That's it's so it's really, really endearing. Yeah, and it to seems see. weird, but it's like, it's only weird because it's, different from what our culture teaches us is normal and it's right, a whole thing exactly. where like the normal quote-unquote shape of a shoe is not the natural shape of a foot mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's changing the way we walk the way we run the way we stand it's changing the function of our feet our knees and our hips and our back so they're really onto something when they when that minimalist style shoe started coming onto the scene and and i discovered the vibrams uh you know, I just started to enjoy walking and running and being uh, even I could walk around New York City and just and not hurt so bad anymore. Right. Right. How is that down more, though, not as north as we were like in Inwood? I, I could completely understand it. And for me, I have some people that are such germaphobes that are friends of mine that don't even wear flip flops in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Was it a weird transition for you or was it extremely natural to? Yeah, it was a transition because I would I would just wear the shoes when I could. Yeah. And, you know, those Vibram shoes when I could. And then I would just gradually walk a little more and then I would gradually run a little bit more. And I really took my time because I wasn't on a extreme training regimen or anything sure and so i think that really helped because that is one of the detriments of going to minimalist style shoes in our culture is everybody wants to compete at the same level that they were before they went to minimalist style shoes and yeah the tissues in their feet the tissues in your knees and your calves and everything they're just not adapted for that and Mm -hmm. it takes some time to to build up to more of a natural state so I did that for a while until I like started actually just running barefoot, which goes to your thing about like germaphobes and stuff. I, I just threw that to the side. Yeah. You know, I just really thought like, I don't care. I'm going to be that weird guy that is just walking around <laughs> barefoot in the city. Oh my gosh. I love it. But <laughs> You know, and I, I think I, I think it's like I was wearing the Vibrams for a while. People would always look 
at me really funny wearing Vibrams, mm-hmm. you know? They're like, oh, those are such weird shoes. And I would, you know, get into so many conversations with random people about it. And then over after a while, I think that actually became more normalized because more people were wearing them right. and were aware of them. And uh, <laughs> this isn't the reason I did it, but at a certain point, I just realized, oh, I don't actually need the shoes at all. I could do this without, I could just be completely barefoot and go for a run. Right. And it was great. And, uh, you know, and over time, I started just being barefoot more and more often. And now I only put shoes on when I absolutely have to. Or, you know, I, I try to maintain some standard of social norms. I'll, like when I go into the stores and things, I'll put on my sandals. Sure. What is that, that sign that's always out there? No shirt, no shoes, no service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we have to like, you know, confide to, to some of those rules. But yeah, yeah, I had only learned about Move Nat through Doug, truly. Yeah. Doug got really into a gentleman named Wim Hof and he was like, this guy's amazing. Like he climbed Mount Everest in like underwear. Absolutely. <laughs> and that was about it. And talking about how he started to like change into showering cold showers and this, that and the other thing. He came into the apartment one day right before we moved. We all moved like within the last month and like closed the door and was just like huffing and puffing doing this like funny thing that we always talk about whenever we're upset. And he's pulling this full toddler moment. I'm like, what, what is wrong? And he said, I, I should have known. Like, of course, Patrick is into Moonat. Like all I had to do was look down at his feet and noticing that he wasn't wearing shoes. And I don't know why I didn't put it all together. Like they, they're, they're all intertwined. And he was so frustrated because he had been looking for a Moonat instructor or someone who was into that to either A, just talk to or be in like really engulfed in their life and really and really understand it to a fuller degree or be able to discuss it at least and he was so frustrated that this whole time we were you were just a few doors downstairs it's so funny and he couldn't really get into it with you yeah because he talks my ear off about anything he can that he's jazzed about so for him to have connected with someone who also really really liked it was and moved by it in more ways than one, I guess, was so frustrating for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. You don't know what your neighbors do, and they might be completely into the same things as you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember saying that to you both in the beginning, running into you on walks and stuff. Oh, you know, when this whole COVID thing's over, you should come for dinner and here we are, both not even in the building anymore. Well, it's nice to still be able to be virtually communicating with you guys. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we got we to gotta be grateful for technology, especially during this time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was, you know, it was really fun getting together with Doug then and, and playing around. Yeah, doing it one time. Stuff. I said, just going for it. I remember he left the apartment and I said, well, what are you, what are you expecting? He's like, I don't, I don't know what to expect, but I'm not taking my shoes off. I don't think I'm going to take them off. And then I come back, he's covered in dirt. His shoes are off. He's sweaty. He's like, oh my God, I just had the most amazing time. So what kind of stuff did you do while you were out? You know, it's, it's kind of what I love about and what drew me into MoveNet eventually. Like I said, it was like it gets you out into nature, puts all the moves that you're doing into context I think there's a meditative aspect to it too sure. because you are being just really present and aware with your with your body and your surroundings. Mm-hmm. So whenever I go out and do um, sort, of, sort of a session, you know, I'll, most of the time, especially with, if it's someone I, I'm, you know, just meeting like Doug, you know, I, I didn't really know him that well. I just kind of assess and see like, okay, where are we at? And, and we do that just by walking. And we end up just we started walking through the park. Yeah. Then we'll come up to something in the park, like a fallen log. And you go, okay, here's, here's a, an environmental context. You know, like, what can we do with this? You can crawl on top of the log and you can try to balance on it. Maybe you crawl on it. Maybe you jump over it, vault over it. One log that it was elevated from the ground and so you could crawl under it. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, the way to think about it is what do kids do in a playground? Oh, yes. That's such a great comparison. They climb, they jump, they crawl, they run. They maybe they'll pick something up and throw it, you know, and and really they're just expressing the truest nature of what people were born to do. And that's basically what MoveNet is, is just it's a way of just sort of systematizing and reclaiming the skills 
that we were born with, or we might not have been born with the skills, but we're born with the ability to do all these skills, such as run and climb and crawl and jump and throw and carry and lift things. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a fighting aspect. We didn't do any wrestling or anything like that, but we did roll around <laughs> on the ground and <laughs> do somersaults and Love. we climbed some trees. When would you say that we reach that point where we redirect our thoughts of not being that kid playing and seeing the world as our playground. And do you think it's something that's more societal? Do you think it's something that's just instilled in us systematically? How would you say that, that when do you think that shift truly occurs of leaving childhood and leaving this beautiful side that you're kind of relearning to just adapt into your adulthood? Yeah, it is a cultural phenomenon i mean you can make a case for it being biological too um, and instinctual you know there's a term called neoteny and neo and tenny neoteny which uh, often is used in reference to primates and uh, other animals where it's like when you are young one of the ways you learn is through play and you see this in puppies and kittens mm -hmm. and, you know, baby monkeys and all these kind of things. But one of the things that differentiates humans is that we actually don't lose that ability as we age. You know, we actually have that with it. That's why we are so inventive. That's why we're so creative. And that's why I think we've thrived as a species is as we have this sort of play and experimentation capability throughout our lives. Partly as far as physical activities, it, I think it's because over the years what has been, become valued is specialization in sports. Mm. You know, we, we, equate, we equate physical activity and being an athlete, quote unquote, with being good at a particular sport. Unfortunately, what that does, it starts to weed people out who are not good at that particular sport. Sure, absolutely. You know, in a way, like, if, I'm, if I don't have the skills at soccer or if I don't really like the impact of football or I'm not really good at dribbling a basketball or I don't have the, the height, uh, you know, for basketball or if I, you know, all these sort of things start to weed people out. And then we start to associate that, well, only those people that have these qualities can stick with these physical activities. And our athletes, you know, quote-unquote athletes as well, that word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you the fastest? Are you the strongest? Are, I mean, competition has its place, and it, I think it's healthy in some ways, as long as it is of a, a playful nature. Sure. Um, but when it becomes serious, your dreams of making a living, if I'm going to be a professional sports player, I mean, that's all great, but maybe not for our whole population as a culture we then lose the value in being generally fit and by fitness i mean like are you able to do the things that you're still able to do as a kid yeah you yeah know? and that's you know back in the early 1900s you know there were natural systems of movement that were focused only of were mainly focused on that on general fitness like can you run and jump and right right and crawl that's and do all those same things. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Doug talks about there's this like list of 10. I'm not sure what it was specifically, but he said there's this like list of 10 things that were expected that you were supposed to be able to do. And he said, it's hilarious. You read them now. And I look at my, what they're asking me to do for my basic training for the Navy. And in my mind, I'm like, I know people will struggle with this. And then you look at that list and that list is way more extensive and the average human being was able to do it back then. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's been at the detriment for most of us for as far as our health and our society is the specialization of activity, the glorification of those who are the best athletes. Yeah. And, and again, it's great to have people to look up to. It's great to see people doing, you know, amazing feats on Instagram but it is losing, I guess you could say you're like missing the forest for the trees there sure. where you are losing the value and the importance of like the general daily 
activities that you need to be doing to be fit. Yeah. And so at a certain point, it just becomes people lose the value and they lose the idea to see any value in, you think of it as like a puritanical, like, well, that's not being an adult. And that's mm -hmm. the most unfortunate thing because most adults are not healthy. <laughs> I'm generalizing sure. there. I'm sure a sure. lot of them are healthy, but. No, you're right. And I think it's, no, 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 but you're so right. I've been watching and learning and listening to so many things because I'm in my 200-hour teacher training program right now with Yoga Renew. And you're, I'm just learning so much anatomy at this time, so it just gets me jazzed about researching things as well. And the interesting factor of all of that is that I think personally that we are either A, the most unhealthy because we have so many oh, we have such a large obese population statistically at this point which is insane and this has all to me seem seems like it's changed within the last 30 to 40 years and b we have people into these insane crazy workouts we have all these tv shows reality tv shows like the challenge and american ninja warrior and all these things where these people are insanely ripped and the true the truest of all of this is in the middle we have the average human or someone who's naturally moving one or the other and the one who's naturally moving you're going to be more likely to be a, a centurion like someone that would live to be a hundred because you're living healthy and naturally whereas even the most insane fit person with like the really thick muscle next to you in the gym with the massive 300 pound lift is incredible, but that's not healthy either. And we all know that being obese is not a healthy option, clearly. So that's the scale. Yeah, they both have a cost at both ends of the spectrum that are that may contribute to you know earlier death rates or you know, hemodynamics or you know the, your um, blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. That just because you're fit in one way doesn't mean that you're fit generally. Correct. And just because you're maybe not fit in one way, maybe you are a little bit overweight, but it doesn't mean that you're not able to do most of the things that you need to do. I mean, there is a middle ground for everything. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. I'm just <laughs> thinking on that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a big one, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. It's not necessarily a straight line anymore to me. To me, someone like yourself, an, um, someone that's doing natural movement to protect and – give your body good nutritious food and take care of it physically in a natural way, I think it's more of a triangle. So we have the extreme on one side, the obese, and then we have the extreme bodybuilder. And then at the tip would be the way that you do want to live life. So it's more of a an in-between, but not necessarily lateral. It's thinking upward, thinking that, that that's where we want to go, reaching to the top. Yeah. And it and it, may, it lets us see that it's not, like you said, it's not um, completely linear in a way. It might have a curve mm -hmm. to it. Um, you know, you just you even think about muscle strength, for example. You know, like too much laxity in a muscle or, you know, too, a muscle too stretched out is not very powerful. A muscle that is too contracted is not very powerful. So you see these bodybuilders who can't, can't, don't have any mobility they're not actually that strong in certain ways because they can't move. Right. And, and there, it's the place in between that has the most power. Yes. I have so many thoughts on this. It's a, yeah. 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 Me too. But yeah, finding that natural balance, it definitely, I've been, been thinking on it a lot and it is, it's a lot of food for thought. It's definitely something I have been journaling about lately, but speaking of in that regard on the opposite side, where do your opinions lie with shows like, the challenge, American Ninja Warrior. I'm not a big reality TV fan, but but what are your thoughts on training on that? A naked and alone. Yeah. One. Somebody was just talking to me about that the other day. You know, it's it's. I have mixed opinions on it. I honestly don't watch them that much. You know, because I yeah. <laughs> haven't had like a regular TV for a long time. You know, I mean, I watch the Netflix and stuff like that. But same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but not much else. But from what I have seen, like especially Ninja Warrior, I knew a guy who was training for. Uh, Ninja Warriors stuff and was auditioning for them and he was also a natural movement move nat type person okay. and what's really cool about it 
is it's showing a huge variety of skills that people can acquire. You mm-hmm. know, it's like parkour when you see on yeah. Instagram parkour, parkour. videos of being able to like jump over cars and do triple backflips and all these crazy things. It's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool to watch Ninja Warrior stuff when people are able to, you know, swing from ropes and climb up walls and because they're exhibiting like an elitism of these skills that we all should have to an extent. But then you can go to the flip side of it where it's like some for some people seeing these elite skills can actually it's so far removed from your daily life that you kind of don't see its applica- its application yeah to your life right yeah. it's a it's something that happens in this arena of ninja warrior and you might not realize that oh those those are movements are they're really showy and glamorous and that's really cool but that can be how you the same movements are are there when you go out for a hike in the, in nature you know you can climb over a log you can jump across rocks in a river you can maybe you have to swim through the river are you capable and mm-hmm. fit or do you have this the movement skills enough to to navigate your habitat you know your yeah. environment so that's why i'd say I'm, I'm a little mixed on both of those you know it's like right um, to the the extremes of something can be discouraging or for some people that can be inspiring and and where you, your per- personal psychology lies is I guess in an individual thing right like is this something that gets you jazzed and excited about getting physically fit then it's doing wonderful things yeah if this is something that you're watching for trash tv um, probably probably not the best for your mental health but but yeah hey, like we, you're looking at these people like yeah. part of a freak show or something sure like, or <laughs> no, or it's making than, you physically than, doubt yourself then you know physically put yeah, yourself you down know, oh, and pick yourself apart that. yeah that mm-hmm. that's where it goes negative so i do think it's a double-edged sword thinking about this metaphor where i think about movement as a language you can listen to somebody speak a foreign language and have no understanding of it you know uh, like you go like wow that is I can't even, it's so divorced from my reality that I don't have no idea what they're saying. Right. Or you might learn a few words of vocabulary, like you might learn a few movements and you go, oh, wait, I can see how to start to string those together. And and then as you keep practicing and you're learning more vocabulary or learning how to create a grammatical structure of a sentence, you know, it starts to flow more. And then over time, after, you know, your 10,000 hours of practice, you're speaking it fluently. But if you first just hear somebody speak, it just seems unfathomable to you. Like, I don't know. How right. am I ever going to understand? Yeah, this? yeah. <laughs> that is so true. And I, I, I used to always say that too. My, my number one language, I think, was told to me by others. My number one language was dance. And I had been dancing since I was three and it's always and will always be a part of my life whether I'm pursuing it professionally or not. Now I was always a singer and an actor as well but at the same point it was just this very distinct language that I just really understood and yeah yoga is a new language to understand and and all of those things I think that's a really eloquent way of putting it. It's it's very um fathomable to put it in that way because it's something that we can all relate to yeah absolutely um i also think you know so metaphors are so great i think a ways of trying to get at how we're supposed to move and what fitness is too because like you would you would think the same thing of like someone who is a concert pianist or like you said like you know a dancer and whatnot but like um concert pianist makes sense too for me because like maybe i can watch someone play a rock mononoff concerto and Again, it's like more, it's so far beyond my, my present capability that I could, maybe I mm-hmm. just give up and I never want to practice piano because I'll never be able to do that. Or right, I might be like, wow, that's so inspiring. I, I'd love just to be, you know, maybe I'll start playing Mary Had a Little Lamb and, and yeah. know that I'm taking steps to get there. Chopsticks. <laughs> like, yeah, and something. Yeah. exactly. But that's kind of how you have to start, you know, like if you're um, going to run a marathon, you, you don't 
get up off the couch one day and run 26 miles. You and just go. You have to build up. Mm-hmm. Get up and start strengthening your legs and your hips. And maybe you take yes. a quarter mile walk and then you take a half mile walk and then you run for a quarter mile. And, you know, and then over time you get to the place you want to be. Yes. Well, I have one more question for you before we wrap up, and this is something I've been doing with a lot of my guests just for just for fun, uh, for shits and giggles, if I may. But I, during the whole time of quarantine, Doug and I had a kryptonite drink, and that was LaCroix water. So I feel like we would always hoard the LaCroix waters. And when we ran into the two of you the one day on the hike, you had mentioned your favorite drink and what you've been drinking a lot of. And would you share that with us? I'm trying to remember what that was. It's probably kombucha. It's next to you. Yeah. it's. Ne- I was like, I saw you took a sip of it during this interview. Oh, just now. Right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We just, uh, we are such addicts to the kombucha. <laughs> yeah. We should be buying yeah. it by the case. Oh, I'm sure. What's your favorite brand? Well, you know, we get the general GT's Synergy raw kombucha brand that you see in most stores. I'm always yeah. looking for, you know, there's great like stores that uh, certain specialty natural health food stores that will have it on tap from my favorite, maybe local brands. I used to brew my own actually. Uh, oh, wow. Really yeah. Cool and a lot of fun. It started to taste really bad at one point, And so I had to give that a break. I think it, I think the uh, culture wasn't, wasn't as healthy as it should have been. <laughs> okay. But, no, no, no. Yeah. It may, well. Hey, it's, it is like a natural fungus that you're, you know, growing. Yeah, so. exactly. But I used to love it. Yeah, I love it. I, not many people like the flavor of it just because of the vin- the vinegar element. Yeah. But I personally love it. I have definitely have my favorites. I love the ginger berry, the guava goddess, the apple that Health Aid makes. Um, I, the lavender from the Synergy is really, the GT Synergy is really good too. They're all nice for different occasions, I guess you could say. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many cho- choices for yeah. that. So I love it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thank you for answering that. And for anybody that wants to practice with you or talk to you more about this, teach with or train with you, where would they find you? Yeah, well, uh, my website is in aligned movement because both of my focuses, of course, are natural movement and alignment of the body. And in aligned movement is my website. So in aligned movement.com. And you can contact me through there. You can see me on Instagram at um, Patrick Og, Patrick OG. Yeah, I'm doing Zoom classes still, you know, I, which we, you know, really ramped up, of course, during the whole COVID, COVID and quarantine time. But it's it's a really great great way to keep in contact with people, and you know, you can be anywhere and take a class with anyone, which is so cool. Yeah, different time zones and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I have a virtual class library on my website too, so people are able to um, subscribe and sign up and just get a whole bunch of pre-recorded classes online whenever they want. Um, That's great. That's a wonderful introduction, too, to understand you and get to know you as an instructor. That's really smart marketing. Cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think it's great just trying to get the information out there and let people know, you know, that there are other ways of moving that are fun and as healthy, if not more healthy than what we typically think of in their sports and gym style uh, training. Yeah. A whole new mentality shift on on moving your body in ways that is natural, just as simple as it is, right? Absolutely. And I'll put all your information in the show notes as well, but I'm, I was really excited to get on this call today, and I feel like I've even learned a lot. I have a bunch of stuff I want to research now getting off, so thank you so much for jumping on board with us. I hope you all loved Patrick. He was such a joy and such a pleasure. And he was so grateful to be on the show. But unfortunately, his microphone cut off. But I was glad to have him. It was really neat for me to hear what him and Doug did when they went out on their training together. And it was just interesting to talk to Patrick anytime I would be walking in the woods with my dog. He just is such a a natural human. And 
I mean, for lack of a better word, right? Natural movement, natural human, and just very in tune with himself and, and his body and assisting others to be, to do the same, to be in tune with themselves and in tune with their body. So check him out. His website's absolutely fabulous. He does have a little taste of how he teaches and some of his classes and what he has to offer. There's plenty of stuff on there. It's a little more active on his website than on his Instagram, but look at him for both. Find him if you're interested in it. He will talk your ear off just like Doug will in such a positive manner, and I think it could get you really jazzed. It's definitely gotten me excited in a different way to focus on fitness and to just rediscover the playfulness of my childhood self. So I really, really encourage you to do the same and check him out, follow him, do all the things. In other news, I just wanted to say that I will be starting to do my own yoga classes again. I will be doing one in the beginning of the week that's going to be more along the lines of a refresh, a restart, a yin restorative type class. And I'll be doing one at the end of the week that's a little bit more of a vinyasa flow. So I can't wait to start putting those back in and incorporating them back in each week. If you have anything that you would like to ask me about or you're interested in private classes, do not hesitate to reach out again always slide into those dms i'm really good with the instagram messages as far as i'm better with them than the ones on facebook at least so find me on there send me a message can't wait to hear from you all i hope you're enjoying your week and you have positive things going on in your life i'm super excited about sunday's episode i will be moving into self-care and little acts of self-care i think we constantly hear this this nagging, just saying, be grateful, be grateful. And I'm a victim of it as well. I say that all the time, just be grateful, but it's so generic. So how can we fixate on little, small, minor self-care things to do in our daily lives? So I will be giving you a few tips on that, and I can't wait to hear feedback. In the meantime, if you have any extra self-care tips that you love, send them over to me this week. I'd love to review them before I record on Sunday. It always gets me super excited to get that episode up and running when you add in your your feed and your thoughts on the topic. So again, it's all about self-care. Send me what you're doing each week. If it's drinking a glass of wine, if it's doing at-home pedicures, if it's a face mask, if it's taking a walk, whatever it is, I want to know. So shoot me a DM and I can't wait to hear from you. Enjoy the rest of your week and I love you all. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the luxury of self-care. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or whatever platform you're listening on. Don't hesitate to leave me a rating or a review. I always love to hear your thoughts. In addition, you can find me and all updates on the show on Instagram at rumor underscore in underscore St. Petersburg. Yep, just like the universal film Anastasia or like the Facebook page entitled The Luxury of Self-Care. Truly, this wouldn't be possible without you, my audience. So thank you so much for all of your love and all of your support. And as always, for tuning in.